What's totals, huh? Potatoes. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Hey, hi, hello, how are you? And welcome back to Watch It Again, the podcast where we go through a hundred and one movies to see before you die. As always, I am Jacob. And I'm Kat. And I'm Nick. And this week we have a special returning guest who hasn't been here for nearly 30 episodes. Welcome back. James, hello. <laughs> <laughs> James I didn't is back. I record with you last time. No, because I was yeah. in because you, you weren't were, there. You were replacing yeah, me. Yes, this is our... i got to say, it's it's like at the point where it's weird having a different person in here. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> There's someone else <laughs> in the room. I've got to look over my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> I think our last... Well, was the last person Naomi and that was yeah. forever yeah. ago. That was when we were in the big in studio. In the studio, before. yeah. COVID, before so. the home studio. Oh, well, I'm honoured to <laughs> Thank that you, you had me back. <laughs> You're here. Yeah. I had to dig out a weird microphone stain and a different microphone, <laughs> and but we got you in. <laughs> we, we managed to fit in this tiny little room. With We've done it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so this week um, it's my turn again, and as you guessed it, it's Lord of the Rings Two Towers as part of the three-part my. Lord of the Rings time. Yeah, yeah. boy. And James is back because he loves Lord of the Rings. And I, I just felt so bad for him listening to Fellowship. And it was like Nick was like, oh, yes, I guess I'll talk about Lord of the Rings. I've been getting so much shit off. Like, <laughs> all these people I know for the last three weeks. Like, all these different people have been coming to me going, well, what do you hate Lord of the Rings? <laughs> so they should. Uh, thank yes. you, everyone that has given shit to Nick for the last three weeks about that. Continue forever. So I thought last week, last well, last time we spoke. I spoke a bit about um, the history of Middle Earth, and then we spoke about like the Fellowship of the Ring as a movie. So this time I was going to do about the history of J.R.L. Tolkien. Just a bit. There's not much. Just a bit of backstory on who he was and what yeah, he did, and I'm so that learn. sort of stuff. He was a cool guy. I believe. Yeah. yeah. So um, he was born on the third of January, eighteen ninety two, in. Bloomington teen South Africa to English parents. Um, so John Ronald Raoul Tolkien. Um, at the age of four, they moved him and his mother and his brother went to England. While they were there, his father, who was still in South Africa working, passed away, and his mother decided to have them permanently move back to where she was from in Birmingham. Um, when he was twelve, his mother passed away leaving him and his brother orphans, and they were wards of a Catholic priest. Um, during his time living in, like, as a ward of the priest, he met Edith Bratt, who would later become his wife. Although, at the age of 16, when they met, he fell passionately in love. She was 19. <laughs> but he couldn't ask her to marry him until he was 21, because the woman who was kind of looking after them was completely against it. So once he turned 21 and he was allowed to, you know, make his own decisions, off they went and... Went straight for it. Yep. Okay, I have a little bit of a story about that. Yeah. Because he was, like, fully forbidden to even contact her. So he couldn't write her any letters or anything and, like, they were completely cut off. So she, like, was engaged to someone else when he turned 21. Yep. And she cut off that engagement to be with him when he wrote her a letter Aww. saying, I still love you. Oh, yeah. Can we be together? <laughs> That's pretty cute. Like, yeah. how lovely is that? It was meant and to she be. was like, yeah. yes, okay, I don't oh. care if you're unsuccessful. John! <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have to worry about that. Like that. John! <laughs> <laughs> um, so he went to King Edward's school and also Exeter College at Oxford. Um, it was at King Edward's school. Actually, I will come back to that. 
Um, he also fought in Samay in World War One. He then had a brief stint as a member of staff in the New English Dictionary, which is now called the Oxford English Dictionary. He graduated from Oxford with a Bachelor of Arts in 1915 and a <laughs> Master of the Arts in 1919. Um, he taught English and literature, specialising in Old and Middle English at the University of Leeds from 1920 to 1925 and then returned to Oxford from 1925 to 1959 when he retired. Um, while working at Oxford, he had a passion. He always had a passion for telling stories, but it was more stemming from a passion of creating language. He had a deep understanding of multiple languages in which he knew Dutch, Danish, French, German, Gothic, Greek, Italian, Latin, Lombardic, Middle and Old English, Old Norse, Norwegian, Russian, Serbian, Spanish, Swedish, Welsh, and Medieval Welsh. So, like, all the languages. So, he, he was pretty Every, across... Everything in Europe. Yeah, he and was like, pretty across language. On top of that, too, he was a codebreaker. Yeah. In, I think, World War II or yeah. World War One. So, he knew his shit. So, he had a deep understanding of language, and from that, developed simple languages of his own, which ended up coming into being Elvish in Lord of the Rings. And there's about a thousand established words in that language. And even throughout the Lord of the Rings, from works in the Silmarillion into the Lord of the Rings, there are changes in words in which he used how words change from Old English, Middle English, and, you know, Modern English, Mm -hmm. as well as other old languages into the modern versions, of how a word would transform. So he used that understanding of how... Oh, 3,000 years ago, it might have been said like this, but now it's said like this. So there's slight changes in pronunciations and spellings of words. Through as, Elvish. As, and- yeah, as a language would evolve over thousands of years. So like he's put so much effort into this. Um, while working at Oxford, he made his legendarium, which eventually became the Silmarillion, um, a place of Elvish languages he invented could exist. So he made a world around these languages. Like, that was his basis for the start. Mm. As his passion grew, he wanted to entertain his four children and make a story that they would like. So he created this coming-of-age fantasy novel, which is The Hobbit. And so it's Hobbit is a word that he invented. It might sound like a real English yeah, word, yeah. and it is a real English word, but it is a word that he made up. And, like, that's, you know, now, what, 90 years, yeah, 90 years later, it's just an accepted word and everything. Like, oh, it's a hobbit. Like, yeah. there's no question about it, but that's something that, you know, he made. And when it was published in 1937 with illustrations that he completed himself, it was so popular that his publisher demanded a sequel. And when The Hobbit was written, he kind of drew things from the Silmarillion, but not that much. So they were never really intended to be the same thing. Like a big saga. Like a big epic saga. Like The Hobbit was like, how can I use these little aspects and stuff of what I've created to make a story for my kids? Yeah. And then when the publisher's like, oh, we want more. Like, this is amazing. This is just, wow. We want more of this. He went, okay, I've got the Silmarillion. Well, unfinished Silmarillion, and we'll come back to that as well. And The Hobbit, 
and then he expanded into what is now the Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings it was never intended to be three books. It is one book. Mm. But with a paper shortage through World War Two and the publisher wanting to like you know get more money, each volume of his Lord of the Rings was broken up. And within each volume there's like books within that itself yeah. like but that yeah so volume 1 Fellowship of the Ring, Volume 2, Two Towers, and then Return of the King. But it's all intended to be. And I think that book I gave you. It's like it's 1,500 just, Yeah, it's just one <laughs> one book so called bad. The Lord of the Rings. And you've got each, you know, section in it. But it just reads as one continuous Plus, book. like, appendixes. Yeah, and, and oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, just crazy. Well, it makes sense because, like, even in the movies, you like, it feels like it one continue- large story. Yeah. There's not big, like... They There's make no time cinematic jumps, ways yeah. of like dividing it, but it doesn't feel like a divided yeah. story. And we'll come back to like there's points in that where a book ends, but it's not where the movie, the ends. movie ends because it's not a logical cinematic ending to end at that point. Yeah, it's like oh well, that's kind of an establishing thing for the next one. But yeah, mm. um, it took 17 years for him to write and publish Lord of the Rings. Um. Holy hell. Yeah, it was a long time. Like, God, I wonder if the publisher was starting to get a bit. (laughs) Well, they knew it was coming. And, like, obviously, like, he's a professor at Oxford and, you know, doing all this. And he's doing other stuff on, like, code breaking during World War II. Like, he's he's a very busy busy man. Yeah. And. Plus, he's got family. Yeah. Four children. Four children. And by the turn of the 21st century, so 50 odd years after its publication, it had sold. The Lord of the Rings had sold. More than 50 million copies in 30 different languages and is considered the greatest book of the 20th century. Mm. Like, it is the pinnacle the of kind of fantasy. It, it it kind of just kicked off the fantasy kind of epic. epic. And there's a bit of a reason why it was this um, fantasy kind of idea. So he was part of a group called The Inklings, who met at a pub, a room above a pub in Oxford. And the other most notable member of that is C.S. Lewis. He taught him at Oxford, I'm pretty sure. They were once great friends, like best of buddies. They read each other's book chapters to each other. And the Inklings would, most of them were all writers or, you know, studied literature. And they would go and they'd meet. And Tolkien read every chapter of The Lord of the Rings to them as it was written. So he'd be like, oh, I finished the next chapter. And he'd read it to them at the meeting. Or C.S. Lewis would finish a chapter of his book and he'd read it to them at the meeting. And that's how they worked. They inspired each other and helped each other to um, kind of write. So they were literacy, literacy enthusiasts who um, raised the value of narrative and fiction and encouraged the writing of fantasy. It's the description of their group. Um did they have a did Tolkien and Lewis have a falling out though? Yep, I'm because, about to tell you right now. Oh, okay, sorry, <laughs> I won't get ahead of you then. So they were once great friends and they were so close that Tolkien's wife wife Edith was jealous of how much time they spent together because he was spending more time with C. S. Lewis than he was with his own <laughs> wife. Like when he wasn't at work, he was usually with like Lewis rather than his own wife. I was like, oh, she was like, are you ever going to come home? He's like, I'm writing, I'm busy. Not actually like that, obviously, but you know. Um, their relationship took a turn when 
Lewis was perceived to be sort of received to have anti-Christian learnings and he began to have a scandalous personal life as Lewis was romancing a an American divorcee. And I guess that kind of reflected badly because his books, like yeah. the Narnia series, is like basically it's like the Christian, an analogy yeah. for Christianity. Yeah. So, sorry, Lewis was the one that was yeah, scandalous so Lewis, and Yeah, Lewis was... C.S. Lewis had like started romancing this American woman who had been divorced and Tolkien, who he was very conservative... I mean, he was essentially raised by a priest. Yeah, Catholic. Like, he was very much part of the Catholic Church. So much so, Tolkien hated the combustion engine. Like, he was very much traditionalist, like, didn't like cars zooming around. He didn't like any of that. He was very much like that kind of late 1800s, just before the automobile. That was peak. Mm -hmm. That was society as it should be. And he hated you know, the world as it was becoming. And that was another reason that his children kind of referred to it as like this other world that he'd go into like his world and he'd create it because it was the world as he saw. Mm. And and there's lots of parallels between things in that. Um, when Lewis passed away, Tolkien felt instant regret for their friendship souring. And he wrote a letter to C.S. Lewis's daughter. And like a quote from that was, So far I have felt like an old tree that is losing all its leaves one by one. This feels like an axe blow near the roots. So he was like genuinely devastated that their relationship had soured and then like his friend died and they weren't, you know, it died on that note. And he was kind of, it really affected him. And like, it was just something that, you know, he kind of regretted yeah. Throughout his life. Um, where's my other bit? I skipped a part. I must say, though, Lewis's books are much easier to read than Tolkien's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, 100%. Um, so, during school, he was also a member of the TCBS, which is the Tea Club and Bavarian Society. Oh, I love that name so, there was, so much. Um, him and three friends, and they kind of met at the li- like a, this little like library and read and you know they grew their love for literature and then during world war one unfortunately two of them didn't all of them die because two or three of them they all got um posted somewhere yeah but tolkien got like deathly sick yeah and had to he was sent home yeah and yeah and they were killed and it was his whole you know yeah um that's good so the silmarillion was never finished by Tolkien and there's a lot of unfinished works but it was finished by his son Christopher and it was finally published in 1977 so that was four years after Tolkien died so it's something that his son went through all his notes and compiled his things and there's other works that have been published since that his son's completed or finished off from what his father's notes on it were Mm. um so he retired, Tolkien re- retired from professional life in 1959 and spent his retirement with his wife until she died in 1971. And once she passed away, Tolkien kind of kept to himself a fair bit in Oxford and just kind of continued to write and, you know, just continue his love for literature. But one thing he used to always do was he'd take his grandson, Simon, who was 
12 when Edith passed away to lunch at the Eastgate Hotel in Oxford. So once a week, him and his grandson would go to the Eastgate Hotel, they'd have lunch together, hmm. and then someone would walk his grandfather back home and then, you know, go home. And nice. Simon recalls that his grandfather, like that Tolkien was often sad and would always reminisce about how much he missed Edith because kind of from being 16 all the way through, like they've spent their whole life life together and it was something that really affected him until he passed away on September 2nd, 1973. Um, He lived through so much. Yeah. Yeah, It's a big life. In 1972 at the New Year's Honours, he was awarded by um, Queen Elizabeth the a commander of the Order of the British Empire. So that's two levels below a knighthood. Oh, wow. So not quite sir, but he was, he is a yeah, CBE commander of the British Order, mm. which, you know, was a nice recognition for his work in literature. Because he contributed so yeah. much. Um, I did that bit. I did that bit. Yeah, so that's the history of J.R.R. Tolkien. There you go. Oh, what a life. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Anyway. So I guess we'll <laughs> <laughs> end on a kind of sad note. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lord of the Rings, that's two towers. Ooh. So the first thing I'll <laughs> say, we introduced two several new cast members here and some important players. So we have Bernard Hill as King Thaden, Miranda Otto as Eowyn, oh, Carl yeah. Urban as Eomir, brother and sister. If you didn't get that. <laughs> um, Brad Durrett as Grima Wormtongue. David Wenham as Faramir. Um, Bruce Hopkins as Gambling. And John Noble as Denethor II. Only if you watch the extended edition, though. Ah, <laughs> missed out again. Oh, damn. <laughs> Otherwise, here's the next one. I paid money to not watch the extended wow. edition. Wow. <laughs> I have it. <laughs> didn't want to watch it. Um, There's also a couple of extras in there. Um, Treebeard is the second character played by John Rhys Davies. So he does the voice for Treebeard. So that's another character that's introduced. It's kind of an important, kind of very important character in this film. Yeah. Yeah. So we get, you know, um, so what do you, Nick and Kat, because I'm not going to ask James, I know he's seen it a million times. What do you guys think of the new characters? Is Love. Andy Circus not a new cast member? No, because he was in the one? previous one. Oh, but barely. He counts as in the previous. In the extended one, he's in it a bit more they than the Circus is. Oh, Gollum. Gollum. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was w- waiting for Gollum as well. He's he also Andy Circus also provides the voice for the orc that um, calls Merry and Pippin fresh. The one that wants to eat them. Yeah. Mm. So it's a different actor, but Andy Circus is the voice. <laughs> yeah, nice. If that okay. helps at all. Yeah. So what do you reckon of new characters in this? I liked them. Yeah? Yeah. No, I, I honestly... <laughs> Did, if, if, I, I like this a lot more than the first one. And would I, you have known it was Carl Urban if you didn't know beforehand? Oh, of course. Yes. It literally, what do you mean? Okay, so obviously like this came out in like, 2002. Yeah. And like at the time, obviously, you know, it was probably like, only a few years ago I realised mm. that was actually Carl Urban. <laughs> like I'd see him in so much other stuff and he just doesn't look like Carl Urban. And then it's like... No, oh, he's got a fat... Like his yeah. face kind of... And he always like, has that little... Mark. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, but his face like kind of... It, Slightly like it, sti- yeah. it sticks out around the mouth a bit. I think it's the st- suck on beard. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> but, no, but like he just has a very defined bottom, like below yeah. his nip, lip. 
nip. Oh, hello. <laughs> what what have I learned? Nip. You oh, just, you're hey, like, hey. that's Carl Urban's yeah. mouth. I, um, I liked Miranda Otto in this. She's fantastic. She's so, so good. Wait till you see her in the next one. I know. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I also miss Sean Bean because... Sean Bean's dead. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Although, that if you watched the extended edition, you would have seen some Sean Bean. In I Two Towers. I did see some yeah. Sean Bean. The same scene the where you start. get Denethor, his father. Of course. So there's an extended... Because what well, we're talking about, I'll mention it now. Um, in the extended version, there's a scene at the Battle of Asgiliath Ascul- or the other one. But it's like early on where they retake it. And like Faramir and Boromir are victorious. And like they're... You know, and all like the... Like Gondor soldiers are all happy, and you know, Boromir has always like get these men some ale. They're thirsty. Like he's real. Like everyone's just loving it. And then Denethor comes like flying in. Is like yeah, and everyone's like yeah. The stewards here, and like him and Boromir have this like big like hug, and like he's like yeah, you've done it. I'm so proud of you. And then Faramir comes over, and Boromir's like yeah, Faramir did like you know it's his victory too. And Denethor's like nah, because Denethor hates Faramir. Yeah, and it kind of sets up the next one of like the, the whole yeah King. Return of the King. Like it's a, and I think that extended scene really like gives context to what happens in the next film between those two characters, and it makes a lot of like character development for Denethor on the next one make sense. Yeah, because yeah. always you just see him as this real grumpy bloke. Yeah, that's just suddenly there. Yeah, whereas like Boromir was his, you know, Boromir would have become the steward of Gondor and was the. Warrior hero of Gondor. Yeah. And then... Oops. Got some arrows in his chest and now he's dead. Shouldn't have been cast as Sean Bean. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Tolkien knew all those years ago. This guy's going to be Sean it. Bean one day and he's going to die the first one. C.S. <laughs> Lewis said, who's Sean Bean? <laughs> Don't worry about you'll, it. You'll know one day. <laughs> no, you won't. You'll be dead. <laughs> Your grandkids will know one day. Uh, um... There's, I think last episode I touched on book Frodo being so different to movie Frodo. Yeah. So in the books, Frodo's 53, right? At the time of Fellowship of the Ring, um, Elijah Wood was 18 <laughs> when that movie started filming. But Fro- um, Hobbits also have a weird... I was going to say, 50, yeah. a 50-year-old yeah. Hobbit looks more like a 20-something-year-old yeah. human. Yeah. yeah. So Frodo's... I fifty-three mean, and as fifty-three-year-old Elijah Wood will look like. <laughs> yeah, he'll look the same. Yeah, but he's kind of the more he's the eldest of the hobbits. Who I consider all out. And the other three are in their late thirties, and then like I think it's um, Pippin's the youngest of all of them, and definitely the most immature. But there's like a twenty-odd year gap in age between Frodo and Sam, mm. and in the movie, it's kind of like their best buds from the start. Whereas in the books, it's definitely much more of... Because like in the movie, like Sam calls him Mr. Frodo all the time because Frodo is his master, essentially. like yeah. he's, he's a his servant. Yeah. Yes. And it's kind of in the books, it's fleshed out a lot more. that They go from like a master-servant relationship to actually being best friends. And that's a lot of that is in the Two Towers book. Mm-hmm. It starts to flesh, especially once Gollum arrives, it starts to flesh out a lot more that Sam really cares... About yeah. Frodo's well-being and everything, and Frodo comes to realize that, oh, like you know, and they become like best friends. Um, hmm. James. Yes, Jacob. What's the 
just want to give us like a plot outline of what happens in this movie. Um, yeah, please, because I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's well, just a um, lot of fighting. I was like, I'm going to pick James for yeah, this one. <laughs> good pick. Well, um, following on from the breaking up of the fellowship at the end of fellowship, yeah, um, we kind of we kind of follow along th- the three main plot lines with uh, Sam and Frodo continuing to try and get to Mordor, Merry and Pippin being kidnapped by orcs, and then. Um, end up going into Fangorn Forest with Treebeard. Yep. Um, and then arguably probably the main plot line is we follow Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and the uh, returning Gandalf to uh, oh, yeah. to Rohan and eventually to Helm's Deep um, in the battle against Saruman's forces. Yep. Sounds great to me. Um, there's a couple of like probably significant differences book to movie in all these events. So, obviously, cinematically, you can't tell one story and then the other story because it's going to be really weird if you do all of Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and Gandalf and then do Proto-Sam. Yeah. But in the book, that's sort of like... They're told in two separate sections. Like, you're not jumping back and forth. Mm. So, you kind of go through like... I can't remember who's first. I have a complete mental blank of which parts. But you go through one the whole lot. I'm pretty sure it's Frodo and Sam. And you go through their whole thing. And that book ends when they get to Shelob's lair, which is two hours into the next film. Is that is that halfway through Return of the King? Yeah. So that's like two hours into Return that's of the when King the is when you get that. should finish. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Halfway. Not even, not even halfway not even through half. the extended <laughs> edition. Yeah. And like, that's the end of their story in Two Towers. Then you hit um, Aragorn, Legolas... Legolas and Gimli, so ALG. And you go through their entire story until you get ALG plus G. (laughs) Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli plus Gandalf, right? So you get all of them. And then you get through like their whole time in Rohan, the Battle of Helm's Deep. And then then like the first kind of half an hour of the next one is still in the two towers. So like... Merry and Pippin's story of the two towers is told in a recap. So, like when they when because obviously the battle Isengard is over and that the movie I mean, this movie ends with them in the extended edition, they find Saruman's storeroom. So there's like meat and wine and like um, pipe weed and food, and they're sitting there eating and they're like yeah, and then the kind of opening of Return of the King. Spoiler alert for a movie that came out 17 years ago. Spoiler <laughs> alert for you too, because neither of you have seen it. Um, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli and Gandalf, Theed and a couple of other Rohirrim arrive at Isengard because they're obviously we need to go and get rid of Sarah. Like, so they don't know like, what's happened. Yeah, they don't know yeah. what's happened at Isengard. Like they're going there. Yeah. And they ride through the forest and they get there and on the wall is Merry and Pippin sitting there smoking. <laughs> and that then in the book, when they get to that point, Merry and Pippin recap... The Battle of Isengard to them. Oh, so you so don't even. So the reader doesn't know either. Your... So the reader doesn't know what they've been doing. That'd be a very different experience. And then yeah. they recap it to everyone, and then that's their part of the story. It's just told in a recap to the other characters. But obviously, as a movie, you can't have a story flow like that because yeah. it's like this is so broken. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got a in a way we got a bit of that with the Gandalf recap at the start of yeah. Two Towers in the Balrog. But yeah, but that's like a sick scene. That is. And also, I sent Kat and Nick the actual trailer for this movie last night. And in that, it has Gandalf the White in it. 
And that's really <laughs> tripped me out because I never realized that was actually in the trailer because in the film, Gandalf's first line to Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli is recorded by both Ian McKellen and Sir Christopher Lee. Yeah. And their voices are mixed together, so you hear both of them, you so don't you know don't know who it is. Ah. So it's a trick because, like, the predominant voice at the start is Christopher Lee, and then it f- kind of transitions into Ian McKellen, and then it's like, oh, it's Gandalf, and then, it, like, the light yeah. fades away. Oh, it's Gandalf. It's in the fucking trailer. <laughs> so it would just be absolutely spoiled if you were yeah, actually... Yeah, exactly. If you watch the trailer, that moment is spoiled for you. And I'm like, that makes me so angry that that is in the trailer. I was like, what the hell? Especially because from Fellowship, like the biggest emotional part of that movie yeah, probably is Gandalf dying. falling. Yeah, and then you, this movie opens with the battle with the Balrog and then Gandalf's just dead, like actually dead. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay. But Thanks for rubbing it in. people would have watched trailers like that back then though. Yeah, but it's like, just... Like, they're not... Like oh, two thousand and two thousand yeah. yeah, it would have been played before. Yeah, like, true. yeah, it's just such a yeah. weird. I was like, why is that in the trailer? That's the one thing you don't include <laughs> yeah. is what happens there. I don't know. Anyway, um, there's also a great moment in like the fight, kind of between Sam Frodo and um, Gollum, where Frodo pulls his sword at um, Gollum's throat and he goes like this is Sting you've seen it before and he's like genuinely like contemplating killing Gollum that's just Book Frodo all the time like just, that's a that's an actual moment like Book Frodo just takes shit like he does not take shit from anyone he just he's like what yeah 53 like yeah he's much tougher and much more experienced and wise yeah. and he's just like that is a Book Frodo moment of just like nah fuck you let go of Sam or I'll cut your throat like, you've got two choices here. Like, you either let go of him or you're dead. Whereas, like, movie Frodo's like, oh my god, I'm here! <laughs> Shut up! An annoying character. Yeah, um... What do we want to go with first? Stop right. looking at me, Nick. <laughs> um... Oh, okay, there's another considerable difference in the story with the book. Is Aemir, who... If, do you know who Aemir is? Carl Urban. Right. You're welcome. <laughs> Remember the other week you just say we like actors' names? Yeah. yeah, let's keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. Should have written them all on the whiteboard right there for you so oh, you could have yeah. just looked. <laughs> Return of the King, I'll write a character mm. list for you. I'll sit it in that corner there and you can just look at it. Yeah, cool. So you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, that'd be mad. That would actually be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in the movie, he's banished. And he's oh, is that why he's not there? Yeah, so he gets... Okay. Sorry. So he gets banished by... <laughs> um, Grim a worm tongue while Thaden's still under oh, Saruman's yeah. possession and they banish him. In the book, that never happens. He's in not the, banished at all. In the book, he's Does not he banished like... at all. So what's So when he runs into Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli on the plains, he's just out there hunting orcs. That's what he does all the time anyway. So so for Gandalf to get him to Helm's Deep, he just has to find him while hunting orcs? No. Because at the Battle of Helm's Deep in the book, he's there from the beginning. So All no. those who are Hiram are there from the beginning of the Battle of Helm's Deep, and the elves aren't. So does someone come and save the day in the book? Gandalf does arrive, but Gandalf goes to other city, like other part, other communities in Rohan, and gets as many people as he can find in a ah. short time, and then arrives with help. But Aemir and all those two thousand Rohirrim are there from the whole Battle of Helm's Deep, and those elves are mentioned. But at the same time as Saruman's forces have come out of Isengard and marched on Helm's Deep, an orc army from Dol Guldur in the north has come out. And those elves are fighting a battle to the north 
mm. against them. Ah. But in this, they kind of just like everything's all. Oh, the elves are just come and help because it's fine. Even with all the different battles in in these films at the same yeah. time, the book is like that and more. Oh, isn't yeah. it? There's just it's, a dozen but, battles going on at any time. But at least in the book, it's separated into like different character like groupings. You kind of got that. You can follow it more. Frodo and Sam battle, and then. The Battle of Helm's Deep, like chapters and chapters later, and then the Battle of Isengard, even later after that. Mm. So you kind of it's all spread out. But like in the movie, you've got three battles happening at once, but it's done really well because the Battle of Helm's Deep, which in itself, I'm pretty sure, so the Battle of Helm's Deep took four months to shoot, three months of night shooting and one month of shooting during the day. There was twenty completed hours of footage, so twenty like <laughs> that's not including like. No coverage for so like scenes it's 20 hours of just that could the have been in the movie yeah, sure. right and that had to get condensed down into like an hour and a half or an hour of footage so like it's a huge like so much went into it but it's dark it's raining it's like a really dark and then you go to like a and it's gray and there's the orange of um mordor in the background they go to the battle of isengard and it's really blue and green and like there's really different color like tones to, to really differentiate so you're not like so it makes it easier when you're jumping between to kind of know where you are not after a few ones <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was all one battle <laughs> and it's sort of like so you can like all the Gondor soldiers are kind of like in these their grey armour and it kind of it's much more daylight and you can kind of see them compared to the absolute just saturating rain of Helm's Deep of Helm's Deep which that's okay, that Helm's Deep set is absolutely insane. So there's three versions of that. There is a gigantic set that the actors were on that they built. Mm-hmm. So like that whole all those corridors, like sections of the wall, the big room, they just built all of that. Damn. Into it's, a mountain? No. <laughs> but the Edoras set is a building on top of an actual mountain. Oh, that's pretty so cool. So it's an, like all the buildings around it are fake, but they built that up on top of that hill with that view to like do That's it but yeah really cool. so the helms and then there's a what they called a bigature of helms deep which is like a big miniature so it's big <laughs> enough for the cameras and stuff to go, and that's what and so that's like there's a couple like shots and stuff and like on that and then there's also a miniature that gets absolutely blown to smithereens when that drain explosion goes off so there's, there's like <coughs> sorry yeah different versions of that set but all the sets throughout these movies they just built like, the dedication. It's just, yeah, it's just yeah. insane. And like, they would film something, or they'd be trying to film something. Oh, it rained, so we'll just go and film this instead. And there was one point at the end because all these three movies were filmed together. Mm. It's eighteen months of solid filming, and then three years later they came back for pickups for Return of the King. But for like the bulk, it was like eighteen months solid. There was moments that, um. Some people's like first scenes that they filmed, were, like one of the last that their in character the has, yeah. yeah. And it's these whole weird, like moments. But like in this, yeah, it's just like they spent so long just doing Helm's Deep. But there'd be times it's like, oh well, we're doing these couple of shots of Helm's Deep tonight. But you've got like um, Vigo's required down the road at like that lot to do a scene from Fellowship or Morning. Like it was just <laughs> there was people going everywhere, yeah. Like. Um, Elijah Wood said there was times they were doing like six different 
scenes from three different movies in one day. <laughs> like, they just go on between sound lots and stuff. And, like, at least you wouldn't really be able to spoil it because yeah. you just wouldn't know what was What's going yeah. on. Yeah. And Peter Jackson, Peter, yeah. there was times where there was like nine crews working simultaneously, and Peter Jackson would just ride his bike around the studio between them. Because <laughs> there was just so many units Gosh. working at once. That's so good. To get everything done. And Peter Jackson's like, oh, yep, sick, I'll be back in 20 minutes and go to the next, like, and just keep. Go check on the Sean B just, set. Yeah, absolute <laughs> insanity. And it's just like, there's a great, I watched, um, like, the two towers behind the scenes thing. And it had, like, a quote from Peter Jackson. It's like, I know why people don't film three movies at once anymore. <laughs> and I'm never doing it again. Because, <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Like, they were like, like in that Helm's Deep they had so many extras. Like there was hundreds of people. Did they use the um the like computer generated? Yeah, yeah. In that, okay. But was it the ma- massive? Yeah, like they, they there was so much, but so much of that. Like there's moments where there's forty Rohirrim soldiers pressing on a gate. Like there's like the visible people. Yeah. And they had hundreds of extras, and they just broke. So many extras got hurt, and like. It because and some of them like would just hit each other like some of like the like Kiwi like army extras like Weta was going through so many like fake swords because they weren't trained stuntmen so instead of just like doing a stunt fight they were just smashing each other with swords so dudes were getting their heads stapled back together like it oh was just God. insanity plus anyone that goes against Vigo in a fight has to be wary because he's using a real sword yeah. but also Vigo had never picked up a sword until this filming yeah. of this started and the guy that trained them all said he's the best like natural swordsman he'd ever seen what he's, picked up, he's like yeah this is this is alright like what it'd be such a cool skill to have I wish I could do that there's a sword right next to Nick too I'll give it a go after this <laughs> <laughs> See Nick's picked it up <laughs> um so Merry and Pippin uh at the end of the last one were obviously captured by the Urukai, and we're going to be taken to Saruman because they assumed that the halflings had the ring, and the only two halflings they saw because they never see Frodo or Sam. Frodo or Sam. It's like, oh, it's got they've got the ring. One of them has to have the ring, and you know they're getting captured, and then the Rohirrim show up and kill the orcs, and they crawl away, and they end up in Fangorn Forest where they met or meet Treebeard. Treebeard takes them to a white wizard, which you assume is just Saruman. You're like, oh shit, they're dead anyway. Right. Turns out it's Gandalf, and Gandalf kind of just sends them on their way for Treebeard to take them home, is the plan. Treebeard's going to take them back to the Shire. And they're going to sit the rest to of the safety. Out. They're going to, mm-hmm. like, they're done. Like, sit it out, boys. Like, you're all good. Don't worry about it. Thanks Job for, done. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for your for help. help. <laughs> you're going to end up dead. Like, we fucked up majorly. You got captured. Like, I'm so sorry. Go home. But Merry and Pippin don't like that because they don't like the idea of abandoning Frodo and Sam. Like, they can't. Do that. So they, in the movie, Treebeard's like, oh, what are you? Like, are you orc spies? Are you orcs? Like, in the book, Treebeard just knows what a hobbit is. And he just knows who they are and, like, has a conversation with Gandalf. And he's like, yeah, yeah, explains everything to me. It's like, sick. Right? And then when they have the Entenmont and they all have the council, Hmm. in the book, the end's like, yeah, let's go and attack Isengard. Like, there's no debate about it. Mm. Like, they're cutting down the forest. It's our duty to protect the other trees. And they just instantly decide to go to war. That's interesting that that was changed from the book. Because I, like, I really enjoyed the way yeah. the movie does it, where Pippin directs them to yeah. see the rest of the forest. Yeah, whereas in the movie, they kind of tri- tricks them to go past Isengard. And then he's and like, oh, shit. Them. And then, like, yeah, let's go to war. Like, mm. 
let's then attack. But yeah, in the book, Treebeard's just like, yeah, let's go fuck shit up. Like, <laughs> let's go like attack, you know, Isengard. But at the same time, the Ents also attack Helm's Deep and help the Rohirrim escape. Like, halfway through the battle, like, you know, it's getting in like the early hours of the morning, Gandalf's arrived with some help. But this army of trees that no one knows where it came from just appears, <laughs> kills the remaining orcs, and then disappears. And everyone's like, yep. Cool. Alrighty. And that, like, that's it. And then, like, obviously they... But Saruman's death in this film is not how he dies in the books. At all. Wait, does he... Does Saruman die in the extended edition of this? Cause yes. So, sorry. In, no, the next Return one. Of the yeah, King. Return yeah. of the King gets killed. Yeah. Which I but in... Spoiler. Sorry, yes. Spoiler alert. Someone's <laughs> going to get killed in the next one. Okay. I, just I mean, the battle of Isengard's lost. Like, he's stuck in that tower. Like Saruman is who exactly? The uh, evil white wizard. Christopher Lee. Right. Christopher Lee. I knew that much. I didn't have time. So, in the book, he lives much till the end. Because after the Battle of Minas Tirith, after the Battle of the Black Gate, there's an extra battle. The Battle of the Shire? The Battle of the Shire. Oh, what the Because fuck? while everything <laughs> is happening in the West... Saruman's forces have moved into the Shire and taken over the Shire. That's just shit. So when Frodo, <laughs> meant to be yeah. safe and So nice. when Frodo, <laughs> Sam, that's the thing. In in the movies, the Shire's kind of portrayed as this peaceful area, and it never gets any trouble. And it does never get you know the, the but at the start. For like the history of Middle Earth, there's constant orc wars happening all around them, but they have like armed forces. So when they re- when Frodo, Sam, Mary, and Pippin return to the Shire. They lead an army. So wait, is a, this at the end? Of, is this the start end of Return of the King? So it's never in the movies. It doesn't happen. We're past oh. two towers now. Yeah. Okay. And, it, yeah. <laughs> and that Saruman, the whole killing of Saruman happens kind of then. Yeah, it's this whole weird thing. Um, Faramir is completely changed in this. Book Faramir is the most compassionate, kind person to Frodo when they meet. So he's kind of like the opposite of his brother. Faramir is one of few characters that completely resists the ring. He has no interest in ha- want having it. There is no lust for that power. He's completely like, like yeah. He's way. just he's similar to Aragorn. He's just he's you know in Fellowship Aragorn resists the temptation. In this, Faramir is like, I don't you know. So when like Frodo and Sam aren't even captured by Faramir in the book. They run into each other. Faramir takes them back to his base, gives them food, gives them clothing, you know, gives them somewhere safe to be. And in the uh, movie, you've got like you know, all the archers are at face at Gollum and he's kind of like they've tortured Gollum a bit and like that. In the book, they give Gollum food. They look after him. Like it, they're really nice to them mm. and then they let them go. Huh. Whereas in the movie, they're taken to the battle and, you know, it's this whole stupid thing because Faramir's like, I've got to take you back to my father because it's... My way, like, to get his father's, like, Approval. affection back to yeah. get the ring because Denethor wants the ring for Gondor. Mm. And, like, yeah, it's a kind of redeeming thing. And that comes in later on because post-Lord of the Rings, like, once it's all over, Faramir becomes Aragorn's steward. So Aragorn becomes the king of men of Gondor, but also the king of the north. So he kind of is king of all men in Middle-earth. So whenever he's on in Gondor, Faramir is his most trusted, like, kind of advisor, like senior advisor. So Faramir is the steward of Gondor after this all happens. And it's just a weird because movie Faramir is kind of a dick. Yeah, Which, I wouldn't want him yeah. being the steward. He's redeemed a lot in the next one. 
but yeah, Two Towers Faramir is kind of a bit like, why are you such a dickhead when in the books you're like the coolest dude? Mm. Yeah, it just really pisses me off that like that's a direction they went with for him in this movie. And it's a strange choice considering yeah. that Denethor is a bit of a dick. Boromir, while redeemed, is also a bit of a yeah. dick at times. So they're all kind of yeah, because like Denethor dudes. and Boromir wanted the ring for Gondor because they thought it was their last offense mm. because they gave up manning the Black Gate fifteen hundred years prior to this because they couldn't do it anymore, and it's just like they are the kind of constantly under attack from Mordor. The front line. Yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, we can use the ring to defend ourselves," and Faramir's like, "No." That's not, you know, Faramir knows the danger mm. and he's completely against it. And that's another reason why his father doesn't like him. Because he sees Faramir as like, well, you don't want what's best for Gondor because you don't want to use the ring. But Faramir knows how dangerous it is. So it's just a weird, weird that in the movie, change. he's just like, oh, if I get the ring, my father will love me. I guess like... Fuck you, man. <laughs> like, I guess characters like that are more interesting. Yeah. Rather than just... But like, he kind of, it, he's redeemed a lot. In the next one, like he becomes a much better, just <laughs> character throughout Return of the King. Like he kind of is, he make he does some stupid things though, but not by choice. We'll talk about it yeah. in the next one. Um, I read that. I read that. Is that on to next the page? Rohan story or? Well, yeah. Okay, so when um. Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. ALG. ALG. Meet G. They're a bit. <laughs> ALG catch up with G, which is obviously Gandalf. And they're like, oh my god, there's an evil white wizard in the forest. We're all going to die. And like Aragorn's sword gets heaps hot. And or, and then it's like, oh, it's Gandalf. And then Gandalf has to have a moment where he remembers. Because for Gandalf, it's been a thousand years. Oh, what? So Gandalf returned when he was killed. In the battle with the Balrog, he returned to where the Maiar come from. He went back to his home. And a thousand... Well, sorry, it's not even a thousand years. A thousand lifetimes pass. And then he is sent back. Right. But he is sent back as Gandalf the White. Because when the five wizards originally came to Middle-earth, like a thousand years before the events of this, Saruman the White was kind of their leader on Middle-earth, and he was the most powerful of them all. And there was Gandalf the Grey... Radagast the Brown and, and the two blue wizards which travelled into the West and were never seen again. But when he comes back as Gandalf the White, he is more powerful than Saruman is. So he comes back as essentially, apart from Sauron, he is the most powerful being in Middle-earth now. Like, if he used all of his power to fight Sauron, there would be kind of a repeat of the beginning of the First Age where a whole landmass would just be destroyed. Like, Middle-earth would mm. cease to exist. Everything would just be destroyed. So he comes back to this kind of really powerful dude because it's been, like, so long, he has to, like, remember... He's like, oh, Gandalf, that's what they used to call me. Like, because it's been so long for him. And he's like, oh, shit, back to business. Like, <laughs> I've got a job to do here. Let's get to it. Because he's kind of doing the job of Saruman and taking care of the forest. Mm. And that's why he's in there, because Saruman was on Isengard on the edge of the forest. And that was his job. Just like Radagast the Brown takes, uh, looks after um, what became Mirkwood. And Gandalf the Grey was kind of the carer of like the people. But when he comes back to Gandalf the White, he's like, you know. Yeah. And 
so then they kind of go to, um, how do you say it? Edoras. Yep. To um, meet with Theoden because they're in Rohan and they need help. Because they're like, sh- like, you know, there's Saruman's turned evil, like we need to do something about it. And they get there and King Theoden's under a spell. In the movie, it's Saruman controlling him. In the book, it's Wormtail doing it. To, or sorry, Worm Tongue doing it to him. Like he's the one that's controlling him. On in on behalf of Saruman? Or? Yeah, on behalf of Saruman. But in the movie, it's kind of just Saruman's using magic to get in his head. That was kind of freaky. Yeah. The the exorcism. Mm. Of, pretty the, good scene. This, the, the, yeah. the greatest bit about like that scene is like, they arrive and it's like, oh, you know, they see like, um, what's his name? Gambling is like kind of like at the door and he's like, you know, weapons like come on like yeah and like legolas and like gimli and like aragorn are taking all these knives and stuff out yeah they just keep putting it all out on the table and then like um gandalf gives him his sword he's like yeah here you go and he's like the star he's like you're not gonna deny an old man a walking stick and gambling's kind of like idiot no because he knows that obviously like something's wrong with the king like everyone knows something's wrong Mm. with the king Mm. but they can't speak out because we're um tongue will just get rid of them so he's like oh yeah because he knows who Gandalf is. He's like... He kind of wants Gandalf kind of to like, succeed. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of yeah. like, thank yeah. fuck, you're finally here. Like, yeah. <laughs> Come on in, mate. Like, let's get in there. And Gandalf so calmly walks towards Theoden. And like, one time he's like, I told you to take the wizard staff. And all these goons start running at them. Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli, unarmed, everyone. just punch the <laughs> shit out of like 20 blokes. Just keep dropping them. Legolas has like a no look backwards fist and just drops the guy. Like, it's fantastic. And... Like Gandalf continuously just calmly walks towards him and then casts Saruman out, and that's a sign because in Fellowship, when they fight, Saruman kind of wipes the floor with Gandalf. Like he just kicks his ass. In this, Gandalf goes bang, and that shows like his increase in power. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Huh, see you later," and just casts him out. Then, like he restores like Theoden, and Theoden's like, "Oh, like shit," and Theoden finds out that his sons died and he didn't get to bury him. Oh yeah, that was so. Yeah, and like you know, he he feels really robbed that he could have spent his last moments with his son, but couldn't because he was you know affected. And then it kind of there's a bit where um, Saruman's looking through a book because Wormtongue kind of gets cast out and he runs away because Aragon convinces Theoden not to kill him. Big mistake. <laughs> but he yeah. he run, yeah well he runs away and um, Wormtongue goes back to Saruman at Isengard. And tells of a ranger of the north, Aragorn. But he doesn't know what his name is, obviously, at the time. He's like, oh, he was a ranger of the north. Like, you know, his clothes were ragged. Mm. But he carried, he had a ring with two snake heads and a green stone. And that ring is really important because that ring is like two and a half thousand years old. And it's about the line of the Numenor men and the line of Isildur. And Saruman just casts it aside. I would like, nah, nah, he's not the... Like, he thinks, oh, Gandalf's found Isildur's heir. Like, ha ha, no, he hasn't. Like, he's wrong. But Gandalf must be wrong. Because Saruman doesn't know that Gandalf's come back as Gandalf the White. He has no idea that Gandalf... He thinks Gandalf's still Gandalf the Grey and doesn't... You know, he's like, ha, he's wrong, it doesn't matter. But Gandalf knows who Aragorn is. And then Aragorn, you know, they kind of cast it aside. But that becomes really important later on when... At the start of the next one, when Aragorn announces himself to... um. Sauron, he's like, hey, Brian, how are going? Like, I'm here. But in the book, after this all happens, 
there's already an engage like there's an early engagement between Summer Hiram and Isengard. So they're already fighting. They've attacked Isengard. Like straight pretty much straight after this. And Theoden kind of gets everyone together. And all the civilians go one way to somewhere else. And Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and all the Rohirrim start marching towards Isengard. So in the book, their original plan is to attack Isengard. And they're heading there when a rider from that battle comes back towards them and tells them, like, don't go there. Like, it's done. It's over. And then they change. And that's when they end up at Helm's Deep. It's like, okay, well, the battle's coming to us. We need to go somewhere because, you know, the Hornburgers, it's like they call it, no one's ever lost there. It is like the, you know, the fortress. impenetrable fortress, which is pretty penetrable pretty quickly. But <laughs> whoever a, was, whoever was attacking a... that in the in the first, like before, is just obviously an idiot. Just blow up the drain and obviously bang the door Obviously didn't have in. the big gunpowder yeah. bomb. Well, they get through the door so quickly too, but you know. Um, but in the movie, they all, everyone goes to Helm's Deep straight away. And they're attacked by Wag Riders and Aragorn is taken off a cliff in which um, Arwen, his elf girlfriend, uses <laughs> some magic and sends him a horse. And then he ends up being the one that um, sees the Urukai coming and, and then the warns back and tells them they're coming like, holy fuck, 10, we're all going to die. Yeah, 10,000 verse 300. Sick. No chance. Which... As you said in the books, the Rohirrim are already there, so it's yeah. more like ten thousand verse two hundred. So it's actually well, the in, movie version is an even greater. Well, yeah, victory. in the movie it's like yeah. ten thousand verse three hundred. In the book, it's like ten thousand verse like two and a half thousand. Like they've got a better chance, mm. considering like they're way more skilled than the orcs. Like the orcs are kind of just grunts and just yeah. Whereas like the men are much more highly trained and yeah. have a way better chance. Um. This is made... The visual effects for this, so where to digital, is the same as Avatar that we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. And I remember last week I made a comment, like, why are all the animals so shiny? And, like, why is everything so smooth? There was moments this that the wags look so much more real and the fur look like looks so much more real than anything in Avatar. Mm-hmm. That Those wags still hold up pretty yeah, well. Yeah, they look like... Considering this is a 2002 Yeah, I watched, film. like, the Blu-ray special edition, like, extended edition. And they look fine. Yeah. Like, it looks good. It was something that was made 18 years ago. Like, it holds up really well. And it kind of, I guess, where they spend money and how much money you've got to use on something. Um, the Battle of Helm's Deep is kicked off in the greatest way ever. So it's kind of the standoff. All the orcs are just standing there and all the men and archers are there. And that old guy just lets go of that arrow. Mm-hmm. Like, that premature shot and he hits that orc straight in the throat. Ooh. And it's like... Oh, and then all the orcs are just like, like battle cry, and then it's just on. <laughs> and that battle is, at the time, like everything is compared to that. Yeah, it's kind of strange. Like the Battle of Minas Tirith in Return of the King is the other yeah. huge battle, but Helm's Deep feels like this, like the most important in the story yeah. in a way. Helm's Deep is like the pinnacle that all movie battles since have been compared to even Game of and Thrones. TV, I was going to say, and yeah, TV show battles. Everything in Game of Thrones was compared back to this because it is the, it's a cinematic masterpiece of just everything Man. that that is. And it shows like they spent four months on it, but like you've got the overarching battle, but then it keeps cutting between Legolas 
and Gimli and their little like competition of oh, who's yeah. got the Morlocks. Then it cuts to Aragorn just being Aragorn and just when that wall gets blown up and he gets thrown off and lands in the water behind, he gets up and there's like an orc army charging through, right? And Gimli kind of jumps, jumps right down. In. He's like, yeah, and it's like gets something. Then he gets like knocked over. 30, 40 metres behind Aragorn, there's a bunch of elven archers, right? And without hesitation, he just tells them to fire. They shoot, like, right past him. There is arrows just flying past his head, and he just stands there, and he's like, yeah, charge. And just runs at them. And it's like, dude, you're 87 years old. Calm (laughs) down. (laughs) Like, whoa. And there's a great little line in this where, um, what's her name? Eowyn asks him, oh, like, you fought with my father, like, Thaden's brother and the king, like, and my uncle. And, like, Thaden remembers it. She's like, that must make you, like, 60. And he looks at her and she's like, 80? And he's like, 87? I was like, because he's, no. And he did, earlier on, between, like, in leading up to this, he went to war alongside them. But he wasn't called Aragorn then. So he went by a different name because they tried to hide him. He didn't know who he was until he was 18. And then Elrond told him his actual identity. Mm. But he kind of just fought for the free peoples of Middle-earth and he spent time in Rohan fighting alongside the Rohirrim against orcs. Like he's been around as this kind of mysterious figure. Yeah. And then he ends up protecting the Shire with the other rangers. And that's where he gets the name Strider. And then... Eventually just goes, you know what, stuff it. The War of the Ring has started and I'm Aragorn. It's time. <laughs> well, Aragorn too, but Aragorn, son of Arathorn, like, here I am. Because Aragorn's father died when he was two years. Like, um, Arathorn died when Aragorn was two. And him and his mother went to Rivendell and Aragorn was essentially, like, raised by... Well, his mum was still there until he was, you know, late, like, teens, early 20s. And then he was essentially just raised by Elrond and the elves. And he was like, yeah, this, which is why he's kind of, yeah, he's 87. Like he ends, I think he ends up living like 220 something. He reigns as king for like 130 years oh, wow. before he dies and gives it to his son who's already like, I think like 80 oh. or something as well at the time by <laughs> the time he takes over. Um, I love the competition between Legolas and Gimli with accounting and it's so much, it's even better than like the next one. It gets so much funnier, but in this... It's great. And in the extended edition, there's a great scene where Gimli's sitting on a dead Urukai and the, his axe is lodged in its head and they're comparing like how many and they end up with like the same number. And Legolas just pulls out an arrow and just shoots it directly between Gimli's legs for like two inches below his crotch. And he's like, I saw it move. Gimli grabs the the axe and it's like that's because my axe is lodged in its nervous system and moves it and the body twitches <laughs> and it's like a great little like he just grabs the axe and moves like in the head move and the whole body like the organ twitches so my axe is lodged in its nervous system and it's so like it's great like, I that? really like their little like yeah. relationship yeah it's a great it really keeps the energy up in yeah. what is a pretty yeah. dark fight yeah, and yeah. He's, especially like you like said the it before. Scene yeah, where they're standing with all the elves and Gimli can't see over the wall, and <laughs> Legolas is like, "I'll get you a box if you want." <laughs> There's three moments of this battle that are kind of like, as a kid, I loved. The first one is when Legolas rides down the stairs on the shield and is just pumping arrows into those orcs, like, and then he just gets to the bottom, 
flings the shoot out from his feet and he hits an orc straight in the throat and kills that one. Mm-hmm. Like, that is absolutely insane. And then as soon as he says that, he uses arrows to stab orc. Like, he has an arrow in his hand, stabs two orcs with it, then shoots a third one. It's like, that's, like, smart. You've got oh, yeah. a limited number of arrows, kill a couple <laughs> close range with one, and then shoot it. Like, yeah. so that moment. The second one, is when Gimli says, toss me. <laughs> because in Fellowship of the Ring, he's like, nobody tosses a dwarf. And then this one, he's like, you're going to have to toss me. And Aragorn's like, sorry, what? <laughs> and he's like, you're going to have to toss me. And you can see Aragorn's like, <laughs> like he sounds, he's laughing. And I love just before he does it, don't tell don't the elf. Tell the yeah, don't tell the elf. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh, I love it. And then like, but like that moment of Aragorn and Gimli just jumping onto the ramp outside of the walls and just fighting off the Urukai marching up as they barricade the door. That's a suicide. Like, and then like Thaden's like, Aragorn, get out of there. And Aragorn's like, hell. And then Legolas, Legolas just happens to look down and goes, oh shit, and just throws a rope. Like Legolas isn't even watching. And you can see that in the movie, he just cuts. And he's like, his face goes, oh, Aragorn, <laughs> do you want to, like, and just throws a rope to it and then just pulls him up. Which shows like, Legolas is a strong dude. If he single-handedly pulls up Aragorn and Gimli, on Gimli's that rope. pretty fucking stocky. Yeah. Like, they're not neither. Like, Aragorn's sort of small. Like, Viggo Mortensen was not a small. Like, he was a muscular dude. And then, like, Gimli's like... He's a solid bloke a wearing, solid... wearing armor and a big axe. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a heavy... And, like, like this is like, oh, this is easy, man. Like, just... Nah, 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 nah. And it's like, they're just, like, bouncing up the wall. And it's just like... I kind of just assumed some of the blokes behind him no. were helping him pull up the rope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you can just see it, like, after his hand just drops straight down. And he's just like, yeah, this is easy. <laughs> Settle down, son. <laughs> um, what else we got? Oh, Shadowfax appears. Um, Gandalf's horse. Oh, yeah. Which is the lord of all horses. And in Tolkien lore, Shadowfax is not a horse. Shadowfax is... A lesser, like, being just below Gandalf from the, the void, Maya yeah, the other thing. world. Mm. And, like, yeah, he is the lord of the horses. So it makes sense, like, Gandalf kind of just summons him and he's like, sup? <laughs> and it then is, he rides him around. It is a very triumphant introduduction for... It's the sickest moment. Oh, that, <laughs> horse, that white horse just rides up and then it's, like, comes it's straight so up to the camera. Too. And then, like, Gandalf's like, hello, old friend. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have known each other for, like, thousands of years. Like, it's a whole, you know... But when Gandalf arrives, there's a it, it's the score like that moment that Aragorn and Theoden and like Legolas stuff have ridden out like it's the final they have, like that small group is like all, like there's no one left and like Aragorn's like let's ride out and meet them in the book it's Theoden's idea decide to ride out like let's ride out and meet them like this is it like we're we're dead let's just do it like let's at the crack of dawn let's just ride out you know, meet them head on and just do our best and see if we can cut through and get out. I like that. It feels like movie theatre and could use a few more yeah. brave moments, moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. And they ride out. And as they're riding out, you know, they're just on the bottom of the ramp, just fighting their way through. And all of a sudden, there's this, like, figure up on the hill. And Gandalf's there. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Aomi disappears next to him. And in the book, it's like... Just some dude. I can't, remember, I can't remember his name, but like... Tolkien wrote, Gandalf and some dude appeared no, on the mountain. It's someone that was like some decorated war hero of Rohan, but he's like an old man. Okay. And then like this army appears and obviously they ride down the hill and kind of just charge through. 
That would have been but obviously all the down. orcs set themselves with the spears, right? And a couple of people do get impaled, but the flame of Arnor, which is what Gandalf mutters when he's fighting the Balrog, and which is the sun. And Gandalf uses the power of the sun and in the most perfectly timed run that that sun hits the crest of that hill just before they hit the Urukai line. So the Urukai are all blinded. So they raise their hands to cover their eyes and pull their spears, pull the spears up. up. So just as the sun hits and they're all blinded, the spears come up and the horses can just charge straight through because there's no longer a spear wall. Like that genius Gandalf's just kicking ass, and you they look just so proud. <laughs> this charge, like that's such a sick. Like as a kid, like that is a coolest like moment when he's like appears at the hill, like fuck yeah, the day is saved. I didn't realize it was the like sun back when I watched it, like yeah, a while a while ago. I thought it was just Gandalf like did some like some magic air thing, like and he, then... or like he did in um like he does in Return of the King where he raises the yeah. stuff. Yeah, but no, it's just the sun hits the hill at the perfect moment. It's like. And he even says to Agon, like, you know, at the, like, the fifth day from, like, that moment, at dawn, yeah, look, look to, to the east. east. He's like, I will be there, and it's going to be fucking sick. <laughs> like, <laughs> be ready, because I'm going to save your little ass. <laughs> and he does. And, like, that's a, like, that is a sick moment in that film. Like, and just have them, like, charge through. And then, obviously, the extended edition, they chase. The orcs just start running. So, like, holy shit. Like, Matthew. we're screwed. And they run into the forest. And, and then- the trees kill them all. Um. Oh yeah, I didn't even talk about all the broken people. So, in the chase scenes at the start of this film, where um, Aragorn and Legolas are just running across the plains of Rohan, trying to catch up to Merry Pippin and the Urukai, Orlando Bloom had two cracked ribs because he fell off a horse. Um, John Rhys Davies' stunt double Brett Beatty had a dislocated knee. And he's Ooh. running. And Vigo Mortensen, after <laughs> filming the scene where they get to all the Urukai burnt bodies and they think that Merry and Pippin are dead, kicks the helmet. kicked the helmet and broke two toes. Oh my so when God. they are run when they are in those scenes running, the three like actors on screen are genuinely broken human beings and they just run like Vigo Mortensen has two broken toes oh, and he is sprinting and jumping and like they just kept going. It's like we got to do it. And the sc- and when he kicks the helmet, the s- the scream following. Oh, yeah. it, it's meant to be about like you know Mary and Pippin have died. No, and sad. it's because he broke, broke his toe, his toe. Oh. and that's the shot that's in the movie because he's like, because he sn- like broke two toes and it's like holy. And yeah, he spent most of the time filming like that. You know, a lot of time filming with a broken toe. Yeah, Lando Bloom had cracked ribs because he fell off. Just really fell off a horse. Yeah, like what do you do? Yeah, to let it heal. And it's supposed to like if he goes toes took ages to heal because I was like they had to keep filming. Well, like even running with broken ribs because you're like. Oh yeah, and Legolas had like the bow and he had the um, arrow strap and like all this stuff on. Like Elena Williams said, it was just excruciating, but they had to keep going. Fuck. Like it was just. Do it for the art. (laughs) And there's great moments where like watching the how they filmed it because obviously. Um, John Rhys Davies stunned like Brett Beatty is the right is it appropriate height? Yeah, but John Rhys Davies isn't. But obviously, John Rhys Davies is the tallest member of the Fellowship. So, like, when there's like a shot of the three of them, it's obviously the stunt double. Yeah, and the shots were like it runs through, and then all of a sudden, like Gimli will disappear behind something as the other two pass out of frame, and then he'll come up for a close up, and John Rhys Davies is just like squatted down in like 
in the get up, like in the costume. And the stunt double runs in, and as soon as they're out, he runs out, does the close up, and then the stunt double takes back over for the, like the wide shots. And it's like there's a couple of moments in like the behind the scenes where like the three of them run past, and like Gimlin runs past behind a rock, and then John Reese Davies runs out <laughs> and does the close up, and then it's like, yep, sick, <laughs> cut. <laughs> like that's great. Mm. Yeah, um, that's all my notes. Sweet. James, do you have anything to add? Um. Not important at all, but I'm glad I noticed it this time on in actually seeing the movie. Uh, when Aima first finds um, oh, yeah. Aragorn, <laughs> Aragorn Legless and, and Gimli, um, a blooper that's still in the movie yeah. is when, as he as he goes to leave, like on his horse, his sword just falls out of his sheath yeah. in the cut. <laughs> yeah, as as um, what's it, Carl Urban's getting on the horse, the, the yeah, sword just falls fall- out. And um, oh it, it, you don't notice it because there's no sound of it happening. Yeah. And the camera's like going up as it's going down, but yeah. it's very noticeable. And Once I, you know it's there, you, you see it every time. It. Like, <laughs> it fell out. This <laughs> just gets up because it's obviously like like it's meant to be easily. It was meant yeah. to be so they could easily pull it out, but so they're a bit loose. And yeah, again, they just tipped the right way that the handle was heavy enough that it just slides out. That's funny. It's great. I want to rewatch that. Yeah, it's just, it's it is quite. Entertaining. Um, Nick, any thoughts on this one compared to the last one? I found this one way like a lot better paced, and I'm uh, yeah, just like everything. Like I know I I was always told the first one was the best one, and this is kind of the shit. No, the third one's the the best one. Return of the King is the greatest movie of all time. Well, there you go. But uh, be cool, Colin. No, one of (laughs) there it is. But I could I could do like a repeat viewing of this. Yeah, compared to the first one. Wait till you watch the next one that goes for like well, extended edition is like four hours and forty three minutes. You're gonna love it. But well, I will not watch the extended edition. No, you have to. Well, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. I enjoyed the first one more than this. There's a giant spider yeah. in the next one too, so... Oh, fuck. I I'll hate, just watch Harry like, Potter. I am definitely okay. afraid okay. of spiders. So do you like the spider in Harry Potter? Mm. That looks so fake. Even spiders in, like, new things look... This spider She loves nasty. Fucking t- As a child, I was fucking terrified. I'm fucking terrified now, and I haven't even seen it. So is As it- a kid, I reckon it took me... Well, I reckon I would have seen How Return of the King 15 for? times. Uh, to- probably totals about maybe... Two, two to three minutes yeah. of okay. screen time. But there's a oh, lot of suspense around it. Like, it turns into a horror movie for a little bit. Oh, As a kid, I reckon it probably took me, like, 20 times of watching the movie before I watched those Frodo scenes with the spider. I just, as soon as that scene's up, next. <laughs> I just skip it. As a kid, I just skipped it because I was oh, terrified God. of that spider. If I skip it, will I miss anything important? Um, yeah. You'll you'll kind of get the context yeah. afterwards, but you, but should, just, you shouldn't I'll skip it. I'll just close it. my yeah. eyes. <laughs> so I mean, if you watch it, there's a couple of like important like Gollum moments and stuff like in that. Mm, time and Sam just... Oh, Sam. <laughs> Showing why he's the real real hero. The real hero of Lord of the Rings. You listened. Is it actually four and a half hours? <laughs> yeah. The extended one. That's silly. Hold on. If, That's if you did want to watch the normal one, it's, it's a mere three hours and 55 minutes or something like that. <laughs> um... Else what do you what do you think difference wise? I liked wise? the first one better, <gasps> probably because I don't know. I just could follow it better. I think now that I've like, I think after Return of the King, like, it might give me a new perspective on fellowship. But yeah. right. don't don't pray don't for hold it. Your so Return of the King normal two hundred and one minutes. Oh, that's like so it's three hours twenty. Three twenty. Okay, I'm wrong. Okay, well that's not like extended edition. Still ridiculous. 252. 
So four hours and 12 minutes, yeah. Well, I can't be too Woo! upset about it because I just spent 25 hours playing The Last of Us. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we need an update. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we we'll, we'll get it. We'll go three things you liked and disliked. Oh, um, I liked Sam in this. Yep. We really even spoke about Frodo and Sam. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. The, I mean, Helm's next deep, one, man. Helm's yeah, deep. next one's Frodo and Sam heavy for a little bit. Yeah, I liked how you kind of got more of, like, you kind of discovered more about Gollum and like why he was the way he is. Mm. And I don't know. I just oh, I liked Miranda Otto. She's yeah, she's pretty good character. in this. Because mm. I was watching, it, I was like, ah, oh, she's from Sabrina. Oh, James, um, I love Sam's speech at the end of the the film in in a series that has a lot of good speeches. The it's just there's yeah. some good in this world, Mister Frodo. Yeah, it's worth oh. fighting for. Really, the, the, the next the the best speech is definitely the next one though. Aragorn. No, no. I'd say Thaden. Oh yeah, that that mo- yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, Gollum once again is just this is the one that really sets him up mm. as one of the more complicated characters well, in the... Yeah, you've got Smeagol and Gollum, mm. but Smeagol's sort of a little bitch. <laughs> He's too scared to take the ring from Frodo, but still wants it. But then Gollum's like, nah, fuck you. We're mm. taking it. Yeah, we're getting it. We're getting it by any means necessary. And you'll see how that... Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I love... How seamless Gollum looks! Oh, and it looks like, am- yeah. That just like he's like jumping around in water and shit. Yeah, and that like, was really good. I was just watching those scenes, being like, "Holy shit!" Do you know how they did that? They actually tell, had a tell? person. Oh yeah, Andy, Andy Circus is in the suit. Yeah, Andy Circus had to do. Wait, sorry, Andy Circus was only meant to do three weeks of work on this movie. He was meant to provide the voice, and that was it. Yeah. And then Peter Jackson was like, "You know what?" And it changed, so he provided the mocap. But Andy Circus would have to be on set with Frodo and Sam, or with Elijah and um, Sean, and would have to do the actions. But he wasn't in the mocap. He just had this weird grey suit with his weird mask and his eyes stuck out. <laughs> and that was like a fake golem. And he interacted with them. Then he'd have to go into the soundstage with all the cameras and do the motion capture of the same thing. Next week, I'll talk about the one time I did it together. <laughs> it happens once, and it was the very last time. Like, oh, we should have done this the whole time. But, yeah, so, like, he was in the water interacting, and it, there's a moment where um, Frodo pulls away Gollum's hand in that fight, and it looks so real because he's pulling away Andy Circus's hand. Like, there's actually a hand there for him to grab, for him yeah. to interact with. So Gollum looks so real interacting with the environment because there's actually something there interacting. Yeah, yeah it's sick. Right. But like the early 2000s, that's fucking mind blowing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I just love the pacing of this one way more. I love the, yeah, just uh, like all storylines are way more easier to follow, I think. Yeah. And kind of endearing, but yeah. Yeah. My three would probably be just Aragorn being Aragorn for this whole movie. Yeah. Like he just, he falls off a cliff and he just like gets on a horse, rides, he's half dead, rides back. He's like, all right, suit up, like. Gets new armor on. Let's do it. Like, he's just like, I'm fine. And everyone's like, you're almost dead. He's like, no, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> I'm fine. Um, probably then, second thing is just the whole, just the scale of everything. Mm. Like, how they just use so many extras in to cut with, like, the CGI. 
like computer animated like battles and stuff like it's just mind blowing for the time and how it holds up so well yeah, it's not almost 20 movie. years later and then just the score of this movie that Rohirrim like music that music of Rohan is just like when they arrive at Edoras and that music comes in that is just insanity of like Howard Shaw's just work on this movie is just like fuck can I add that to mine as well Howard yeah. Shaw is amazing oh this this Everything in this movie, like this, the sound, every piece of music, and then how well it's done at the Battle of Helm's Deep, where when the Urukai are approaching, it's just silence, and you can just hear them marching. There is no music at all; it's just dead silence. Tonight. And the rain feels like a break in that tension. Like it's the rain doesn't feel out of place. It's a expected. Like when that thunder breaks and then the rain starts, it's like, yep, that's mm-hmm. so like appropriate for that. Yeah. Cool. There you go. Would you watch it again, Kat? Maybe. I know James's uh, answer is obviously yes. 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 <laughs> yes. yes! Do the it. Oh, Do yeah. It, so. Nick? Um, at this point, no, but I'll let you know once we watch Return of the King. I think, yeah, you never I'd know. like to try and watch it. Maybe I'll... Return of the King will bring it all around. The, maybe at the end of this, I'll love Lord of the Rings, but at the moment... <laughs> If not, James yeah. is permanently on the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Replaced. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> James is like, fuck yeah. We just talk about Lord of the Rings each week, right? Yeah, we would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I guess I guess we can definitely move on to what we've been watching and what we're excited for. And Kat looks really excited to talk about something. So, Kat, you start. The Boys Season 2 is dropping on September yes. 4th. Yes. And I'm so keen for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you two are as well. Absolutely. I'm very keen. I have not. You oh should watch my God. it. You should it's, watch it. What's it it's on? Really great. Amazon Prime. It's so good. That other streaming service. That other thing. The cheapest one, people. though. Probably, yeah. It's, it's like six bucks a month or whatever. Yeah. No one has. Like, yeah, no one has it, but it's like, yeah. Even there's though some you good get stuff free shipping on Amazon. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Carl. Urban. Yeah, he's in it. Very good in it, too. A bit of crossover there. Yeah. What, what what have you been watching this week, Kat? Um, I'm trying to finish Ozark. Yep. Um, just because I've been putting it off. <laughs> um, oh, I watched all two seasons of Miracle Workers. I don't know what that is. It's on Stan. It's got Daniel Radcliffe in it, Steve Buscemi. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I have seen a thing for a that. A chick I... from Newcastle. Yeah. A chick from Newcastle. Yeah. Good yeah, for her. Represent. Yeah. You. I watched like kind of the first half of the first season of that. The second season's better. Yeah. That's what I've heard because it's kind of, I hadn't even seen The Good Place at the time, mm. but it's kind of like a, like a diet version of The Good Place. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard they like just kind of completely changed well, the second like, season so they're kind of doing like an american horror story and taking the same yeah. Yeah, okay. actors in a different like setting that'd be cool but yeah dark ages is good like the second season is mm. set in like i don't know the dark ages i guess but yeah it's just it's bloody hilarious yeah. it's so good like yeah it's uh, <laughs> sometimes yeah. i'm like i kind of don't like this and then one character will say something and i'm like no, this is actually great. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to try it again. But yeah. Or just skip to the second season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much all I've been watching. Mm. James, as um, the guest. Well, I've um I've just gotten back from Tamworth, been staying with my parents, and because Dad has Apple TV+, Plus, which I had not mm-hmm. looked into at all, mm-hmm. um, he recommended me his show for All Mankind. I don't know if any of you... Oh, I've, I've seen, have, I've seen the ad for that, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
which I initially started and I'm like, eh, it's all right, but I'll keep watching it for dad's sake. And then got to ep three and really thoroughly enjoyed it. Like as someone who's like the Martian is like my favorite film. So oh, like, yes. I love all sci-fi yeah. kind of stuff. What's and- it about? That's what I, I oh, okay. heard all these names, but I don't know what most of them are. Um, so it's a, um, it's an alternate history. If, um, if the Soviets won the space race instead right. of the U S yeah, but then it goes into, um, it goes into more sci-fi territory with, if we had, if both of them built lunar bases and it's just, it's just really cool. That yeah, sounds nice. really good. Book I, you. <laughs> I've been meaning to start The Man in the High Castle, which is That's an really alternative good. Yeah. universe mm. where if Germany won Germany World War II, Japan won World War Two. Yeah. I like, I like, I, it's the yeah. first thing I've watched of on like a real alternate universe thing, but I, I like the concept. I watched okay. the first couple of Men in the High Castle ages ago and it was really good. And Don't I tell to, me no, anything. I can't. I, <laughs> if I, like, I'm going to watch it again. But I have to start it again because, like, mm-hmm. I can't remember. I remember good. Yeah. But I remember what happened. Well, the fourth <laughs> season's just come out. Yeah. So, yeah. Should be good. Anything else? Anything you're looking forward to, looking forward to, James? Um, The movies, like, reopen tomorrow. Wait, what? <laughs> Do they? Yeah, 1st of July. I'm, I'm that, def- is def- I'm that is tomorrow. That is tomorrow. Oh yeah! <laughs> There's like nothing out, but I know it's just going to be all scumbag docking up and coughing. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, not a chance. Like that? Yes. Yeah. Sorry everyone exactly. for coughing in your ears. <laughs> Nick. Yes. All right. So. Uh-oh. Oh yeah. I, Tell us. I, Last of Us time. I have finished The Last of Us Part Two. And are you okay? Have you played it? Because I know you have it. Do you care if you I can spoil it? It's fine. Okay. It's okay. All right. I know some things that happen anyway, so it's okay. Okay. So the best part of it, just like the first one, is Joel and Ellie and like kind of their yep. relationship. Wait, like, does James care? Uh, I I had Nick over not that long ago and had a very long okay, last discussion. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Then, okay, that's, that's, that's fine. before I'd even played it. <laughs> but, um, but um, yes, no, um, Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker are like terrific as them. Problem is... About three hours in, Joel gets killed off. Yeah, fuck a rot. And mean. And the whole story is about Ellie getting revenge on the woman that killed him. Uh, Fair. You do, you do get flashbacks with them throughout, and they're like, they're so beautiful. Like, just it's like, I, like you tear off. Don't cry, nigga. It's like, okay. Especially right at the end. <laughs> it's okay. But buddy. um, I don't know. With that happened, and I thought, okay, they've got to pull something like really great out of their ass to like make this worth it. And they didn't. Well, I was I, I played for like another ten hours, and I was like, <laughs> and I no, I was at a point where I was like, oh, this is actually, I, I'm actually interested. I, I'm fine with whatever this is because you want to know what happens next. Well, because like uh, we've spoken about the ending to the first game, and of yep. course, people yeah. came to kill him. Like, yeah, you know. So, like, I was at, at a point where I was like reaching acceptance, but then, so okay, so the way it plays out is. You spend three days in Seattle. This isn't like a cross-country thing in different areas. You're playing like just in the same city and it tells you when each day starts. But then at the end of the third day... So pretty much close to real time minus when she's it asleep. Feels like, it yeah. feels like real time. Yeah. But after like 10 hours in Seattle, the villain rocks up and then you play as her. During those same three days and for the same amount of time. And it shows and and you play as this villain and all the people that surrounded by all the people that Ellie has killed and is the most 
excruciating, slow mm. garbage. <laughs> I, I, okay, so it, the problem is it just completely slows down. Got very loud. <laughs> I'm getting passionate. <laughs> it, 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 it Someone's compl- yelling in my just ear. All, all the momentum of the story is kind of sucked out of it. Ugh. And I don't hate the villain's story, but the problem is whether or not like the game lives or dies on you liking this yeah. villain by the yeah. end of it. And like most people don't. And that's fine. Wouldn't it have been better if you played as the villain first and yes. all this character that Ellie kills just disappear and you don't know what's happening and then you cut back to Ellie and then play as all that. It's like, oh, she killed them all and then yes. she, like you're the villain and then it gets to a certain point and then you just wake up as Ellie and then you hit that point and you're on the other side. You're like, oh, that's who I was. As pl-. Like you don't know that's the villain. 100%. Like, okay, so... Like, would that just swap it? Would that have been better? The problem is when you're playing as Abby, who is the villain, yeah. like, you're supposed... Like, you're trying... So, a lot of this time is spent... Like, there are other characters. Yeah. But a lot of the people she's surrounded with are people who get killed by Ellie. Yeah. And I just don't... Because you just killed them. them, like, a few hours ago in the game. Yeah, and they're all yeah. horrible people. So, yeah. I'm like, I don't really yeah. care. But I think if they had put parts in a different order it would have been okay yeah but also when you start playing as the villain you have to like level up all your shit and craft all your shit again yeah okay and it's just it slows it right down and it isn't great and yeah the ending oh yeah and also you have to fight ellie as oh abby i don't like that do you have to no. fight abby as ellie you do at the end and it's I also imagine I'm like it did like your actions that you did as her, like yeah. what is happening? I'm like wow, this fight's easy because I was really bad. Yeah, I was yeah. really bad before. <laughs> and it's a very anticlimactic ending. Uh-huh. Like it gets to a point. So after you've played through the three days as both characters, and it's been like twenty plus hours, you beat the shit. Like you kill a bunch of people that you're yeah. friends with, then like basically tell her to fuck off because she grew a soul at some point sick ellie retires to a farm and then decides to go after abby again oh. so you spend like another two hours doing that they have their big fight at the end ellie gets two of her fingers bitten off oh and it's anything like that like that's permanent like that just makes me go oh it's very yeah. topical for um Next report I do, because get bitten <laughs> off. <laughs> there you go. And uh, it basically ends with, like, you're about to kill Abby, but Ellie says, no, nah, get out of here. Like, take your mate who she's made along the way. And ah, so... What's, what's very anticlimactic, then. Exactly. Jesus. Exactly. And it ends, like, Ellie goes back home and her girlfriend has left her because she said she wouldn't go out looking for Abby again. And she basically ends the game with nothing and also because she has two uh, fingers bitten off two fingers bitten off she can't play the guitar like she's been playing the whole game so it's well, a very fucking it's a very, shit, isn't it? it's a very morbid <laughs> ending wow considering the amount of time you put into it right so would you play it again yeah would you play <laughs> I like it <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> I would play the first one again in a heartbeat but 
No. Second. No. It's... Mm. Are you looking forward to anything? Apart, or have you been watching anything else? Or is your brain just I, melted I, from that? <laughs> I have been playing. That, that's all I've done. Yeah, okay. Because like, I've been away camping. Like, all I've yeah, done tricky. is played The Last of Us 2. I've, I watched a bit of Away Sunny when I was having lunch today, but that's it. <laughs> I have not had the time for anything else. Well, I obviously watched the extended edition of this. Then I watched the two hours that's behind the... your whole week. No, that was on <laughs> Wednesday last week. And then I watched the two hours behind the scenes special. I've watched about 14 hours worth of Lord of the Rings background information because I, I took a oh YouTube deep dive and now that's all my entire YouTube recommended feed is. <laughs> is this Lord of the Rings videos like, what was Sauron doing in the Second Age? What did Aragorn do after Lord of the Rings? What was Legolas doing between this and that? And I just kept watching it and I'm like, my brain is melting. <laughs> and there's so many elven names and they all sound the same. as. So I watched a lot of that. I've watched the first half of season one of How I Met Your Mother again because that's like, I've just been, I just put it on and it's just, just easy because I've seen it so many times before. I'm like, yep, yeah, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Need to watch Hunters. What's that? <laughs> yes, well, I have the time now. Yes. And now that I've put in maybe 30 hours. You'll to... get to the last episode and be like, what the fuck just happened? Mm. And I watched something else the other day. I remember as soon as I pressed stop. So, oh well. Oh well. Oh well. I, I don't know. I watched something and I was like, this yeah. is sick. And then. But clearly not sick enough to yeah. actually remember. No. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that was like yeah. last week. Yes. I was, yeah. Has anyone got anything? I'll, I'll just. I haven't actually spoken about. I, I've bitched a lot about The Last of Us 2 plot. The game is a lot better. Like The actual gameplay is a lot okay. better, I'll say. And I don't know how much I like this or not. But when you kill someone, their friend will call out their name. Oh man! They'll go like, "Oh my God, she shot John!" Or like, <laughs> I love, I, no, I love it's, that. It's horrifying, but it's I such love a that interesting touch, and everything's beautiful. <laughs> oh my God, thank you, Kenny. <laughs> so, people listening, even though it's all been given away, play at your own discretion. <laughs> I mean, I'll probably still play. Will you? I mean, I bought it, so I feel like I have to play it. Pick your seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, I was gonna say it's fine. I mean, there's I all know. that whole pile there too. I still haven't played half of it. Mm. But you know, yeah. we'll get there. Mm. Anyway, nice. um, I guess that's that's it, isn't it? That's us for I this suppose, week. Yes. Yeah. Um, next week it's my turn. Cat's yes. turn. Yes. Um, thanks, James. Thank you for inviting me. It that's was okay. fun. Next week. What do you, What do you watch next week? Oh, we don't know yet. Well, it's after. It's a secret topic. Do you do, do, you do it this day each week? Varies. Yeah, Monday, Monday Tuesday. Yeah. Um. Yeah, why not? We'll You're, t- we'll talk about after. Yeah. Spot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, thank you, James, for coming along. You know, obviously, always welcome. So, you can reach us at watchitagainpod at gmail.com or on Facebook at watchitagainpodcast, as well as Instagram, obviously. You know, I stuffed that. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> Get the cheers. Um, leave a review on iTunes, you know, five stars, obviously, please, because if you've made it this stars. far, you're always going to give us five stars if you listen to an hour and 30 minutes on lord of the rings and last of us part two um (laughs) yeah thanks so much guys as always i'm jacob i'm nick and i'm kat and i'm james see you later Bye. Bye. bye bye